Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, September 26th, 2023. Tony Schaefer joins us now. Colonel Schaefer, Tony, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming back to the show. Uh, do you think that the... Thank you, Judge. Uh, good to be here. Of course. Do you, do you think that the elites in the West uh, finally recognize that Ukraine can't win this war, but are trying to figure out a way to uh, acknowledge it publicly or look for an off-ramp? Or do they still think that with American and Western uh, aid, enthusiasm dwindling, uh, Ukraine can pull this off? No, I think the same neocons who said we could uh, win in Iraq uh, without regard to consequences, who said we could win in Af Afghanistan without regard to consequences, are doing the same thing again. Uh, I referenced to you uh, and I referenced to your audience the 60 Minutes interview with Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is the neocons neocon. And, uh, the, you know, it's, if we just get a few more troops, we'll have victory. If we just do this, it's always just that next thing that's going to, to bring victory. It's not. It's not. And I think uh, they have had the had influence over the control. Uh, they've had influence, heavy influence over the mechanisms of government uh, governance. And Biden's one of them. So they've continued to foster this narrative that uh, Ukraine's winning. They're not that uh, just one more weapon system will be that which actually seals the victory. It won't. And that uh, the Russians are uh, nearly defeated. As a matter of fact, it's funny that I think it was Graham or Hodges, one of the two, the, the, the former general, said that, oh, Russia's been, the Russian military capability has been split and has basically been halved. It's like, it's not, not remotely. Mm. As a matter of fact, it's been strengthened. And again, I, I want people to go out and watch that thing okay, because I think... This this is their public. that to be complimentary, and it was okay, like this is this is their public face. Yeah, you and I know the way we think, and we actually know a good number of them personally from when, right. when we both were at Fox. What do they inwardly think? Do they inwardly recognize, hey guys, this is over, and we need an no. off ramp? No, no, it's the John McCain syndrome. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to fake it till I make it or I die, pretty much. And I think that's the way they look at this. They 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 do not believe they can be right. This is this is a form of of narcissism, as far as I'm concerned, that they they are incapable of accepting the reality which they face, and otherwise will continue to project an alternate uh, alternate uh, perspective 
that is based on emotion, not on reality. I don't believe in it. They've internalized it. And judge, they would sooner, sooner see us go to war over their lie than accept the truth. And wow, uh, that's profound. Forward. That's profound, Tony. And I um, appreciate I you being that. Do they know the bad, the lousy, the horrible week that Zelensky had here last week, starting uh, with the Poles thumbing their nose at him while he was in the UN I know. and going to Kevin McCarthy, refusing to let him address a joint session of Congress and Joe Biden refusing to do a joint presser with them and the Canadian parliament recognizing and applauding a Nazi. Does he know how horrible his week was? The, 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 Everybody will. Everybody on the pro-Ukraine, they're going to win no matter what side. Will use every excuse to explain away why, why it was that it wasn't successful. They're going to explain. Oh, Biden wasn't able. He butchers everything. It would be a bad optic. McCarthy. Oh, McCarthy's just being influenced by the the extreme elements of the Republican Party. Uh, there's going to be excuses galore on why he didn't succeed. And then I, it's hard to to explain away the. The polls basically comparing Zelensky to a drowning man right. uh, at the very time he's here. It's like yeah, where lifeguards are afraid to save him because with with his adrenaline he'll pull the lifeguards down. I mean, yeah. how how gloomy an analogy can you possibly come up with? I and I looked at that as like holy cow. I don't I don't know how you come back from that, but it didn't matter, Judge. They don't care. Literally, I mean, you're going to see the same narrative. We're going to see, we're, we're coming up here uh, on the 4th of October, it'll be four months. I challenge your your rational listeners and, and followers to go look at the BBC maps. Look at the BBC map on the 4th of June and look at the BBC map on the, the 4th of October. And you tell me how much has happened within that context. And are we, quote unquote, on the verge of seeing Ukraine win? Just so saying. a... a um... Top Ukrainian general told CNN that he cannot cannot conduct operations with groups of Ukrainian soldiers larger than twelve to fifteen. I think it's uh, how can they possibly take on the Russian army uh, if they can't move in units larger than twelve to fifteen troops? And what are they doing? Going into the gray zone just to take pictures for Zelensky to show on on Kiev television? Pretty much. So I, again, refer back to the 60 Minutes article. 60 Minutes actually had a reporter out who was in the, what we call defilade, in, in the hidden positions with the Ukrainian army. And the Ukrainian army, she actually asked him, oh, do you have to hide like this to hide from the Russian drones? He says, yeah, <laughs> we do. That's true. So you're not going to muster sufficient combat power to punch through three layers of uh, in, in, intense and reinforced uh, uh obstacles judge by 10 to 12 to 13 they might get up to 25 member uh, military units being able to strike at a time you need literally and I, this is one of those rare times i agree with hr mcmaster you need to have 300 abrams focused with adequate uh, uh armored personnel carriers prepared to punch through uh, the line and as, as you go through accept 40 to 50 percent casualties and have reserves available to continue to punch through to make to have any potential uh, uh, chance of victory and we're talking right. about probably 3,000 men uh, on wow. a from region. the Ukrainian perspective Tony yeah. what would be the reason 
for just 12 to 15 people, even to a lay person like I am, it seems, it seems absurd. It's a paltry number. Because they can't muster, they, because they can't assemble in, in a cohesive way combat power beyond that without getting it wiped out. Remember, the Russians have improved, Judge, their ability to use artillery an order of magnitude since the beginning of the war. Uh, instead of having to use, I think, 30,000 a day, they've been able to bring that down to about 10,000. The reason I brought it down, because they're very accurate, because they have learned how to use drones way more effectively than the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians started out with an edge. They've lost the edge. The, the Russians now have it. So, yeah, the moment you start moving on the battlefield, especially during daylight hours, they're going to spot you, and you're going to have a bunch of 155 artillery coming down on your head within minutes. That's why they can't muster more than what they're doing. Wow. Uh, it, the, it's, it's a bleak situation. Are are the uh, F-16s or Abrams tanks going to accomplish anything for Ukraine, or are they too little too late? Too little too late. Again, I, I, I agree with H.R. McMaster's like, you need 300, not 31 or 28, whatever the number is. And yeah, I've, I've used this analogy before. When Eisenhower, when General Eisenhower decided to invade the Normandy beach, he didn't say, let's send in the P-51s uh, ahead of the invasion. Let's send in the airborne troopers next. Let's try to see some how the British do on Gold Beach before we send troops into Omaha. No, you executed vigorously and violently all at once to achieve a specific outcome, which was uh, landing 60,000 troops on the beaches of Normandy uh, to be able to continue and expand combat operations to breach the breach that beach to get inside the interior. All right. No planning has been available or able to do that. So sending in the F-16s after the fact, after you've had all this opportunity, it, it's not going to have any any significant effect. Here's uh, President uh, Zelensky over the weekend on the tanks and the F-16s. The first American-made Abrams tanks are already in Ukraine. We are preparing them to reinforce our actions against the occupiers, and it will be a significant reinforcement. We are also working to get all the other weapons capabilities we need. This includes F-16S. We are preparing pilots and infrastructure. The best thing for us is to be able to produce air defense and other advanced weapons. This is the only way to guarantee Ukraine's security. Is he lying to the uh, Ukrainian public if he thinks that F-16s are going to provide an air defense when he doesn't have anybody to come fly them and when they're not there yet? It's it's an order of magnitude more difficult than what he's making it out to be, Judge. Look, you need logistics. You have have sustainers. You have to have weapons folks. You have to have weapons folks who understand how to install uh, uh, the weapons and have them maintained. You have to have people programming the computers, the weapon systems which go on those aircraft. It's not it's not just the pilot. And the pilots will have no experience flying the airframe to any significant degree to prevail in combat. Look, we have something called Top Gun. You know, you have you have F-16s uh, as the adversary aircraft, the Top Gun, mixing it up with aircraft every day. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be no aviators who are able to do anything against the Russians. The Russians now are combat uh, train, uh, combat experienced. They've been fighting the war for a while. There's no way you're going to have uh, people coming in with a new airframe being able to prevail against the Russians at this point, especially you regarding the fourth generation, so, fifth generation. You are so logical. But I know an admiral that disagrees with you. <laughs> I wonder who that could be. His name is John Kirby. Here he oh, is. Okay. It's kind of a long clip, but this is vintage Admiral Kirby on Ukrainian progress, Tony. 
How do you, based on the information you're getting, how do you think the counteroffensive is going? And are the Ukrainians closer to victory than they were six months ago? Based on this letter from J.D. Vance, can you just answer some of these questions? Do you think that Ukrainians are any closer to victory than they were six months ago? Is the counteroffensive any more effective? Well, it's a shame that the senator didn't take advantage of the opportunity to listen to President uh, Zelensky uh, himself today, who I am absolutely certain uh, was updating members of Congress about progress on the battlefield. But let me take a shot at it. Uh, the truth is that the Ukrainian armed forces, particularly in the South, are making steady progress. Now, is it as far or as fast as they want to go coming out of Zaporizhia towards the coast of the Sea of Azov? No. And they'd be the first to tell you that. I'm sure President Zelensky shared that perspective. The uh, Russians had months uh, to dig entrench entrenchments, some, what we call defense in depth. They have literally put up tens of thousands of mines and minefields all across that southern expanse uh, to try to slow the Ukrainians down, and it has certainly had an effect on them. But they are making progress, and one of the reasons they're making progress, first of all, it's obviously because of their skill and bravery and the fact that they're allocating resources to this advance, uh, but is because of the tools, the training, uh, and the technology that the United States and our allies and partners have lent them, have given them, have provided them to be able to make that progress. Is that credible at all, Tony? He, he's using a lot of words which uh, don't uh, actually answer the question. My, my John, if you're listening, uh, if you are, uh, accept my criticism for uh, what I mean it to be, constructive. Spend more time studying actual factual reports than going to Georgetown buying ties. It's a better investment of your time, just saying. And on that note, uh, he did not answer the question, Judge. And the fact is that there is no sustained combat uh, victory. There, it's just not. Again, I challenge your viewers, check for yourself. Go and look at the BBC maps that are available online from the 4th of June until now, and, and you'll see for yourself there's no measurable sustained. Judge, do you ever watch the TV series Black Adder? Have you ever seen the Black? It's a, it's no, a British I never heard of it. I don't watch television, but I never no, heard of it. Black, Black Adder is, is Rowan Atkinson, a very funny guy, and they're doing a, a thing on World War One on Trench Warfare, and and basically, Black Adder is coming back from the battlefield, and they have a big room with a big, big green piece of grass. And 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 the, the lieutenant says, "General, here's here's the progress uh, on from the battle yesterday. This is what we were able to take during the battle yesterday." And the, and the general looks at this big thing of grass. He says, "What's the scale?" And the guy says, "One to one." No. That's it. <laughs> they got this big piece of grass. That's it. That's what we're seeing here. We're seeing like, okay, yeah, well, you got a, a, a yard. That's progress. That's what we're seeing. But they're trying their best to not tell you the full truth or me the full truth about the fact there's no sustained victory, uh, no sustained progress that is achieving any anything like the victory objectives they established themselves back in June. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, 
The learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, so um, the next clip of General uh, of Admiral uh, Kirby, yeah. he talks about an exit strategy. And according to him, their exit strategy is to browbeat Vladimir Putin to the negotiating table. I mean, That's this is crazy, but here he is again. What's the strategy? What's the exit plan here for the U.S.? Well, again, I'm not exactly clear what the senator is referring to. Normally, when you talk about exit strategy, you're talking about getting American troops out of a war zone, that kind of thing. It's important to remember that we don't have American troops in Ukraine. We want to help them succeed on the battlefield so that if and when President Zelensky and only President Zelensky can determine when it's time to sit down with uh, President Putin, that he can sit down and have a diplomatic dialogue uh, with the wind at his back uh, and with some strength. When they can get President Putin to sit down while they, the Ukraines, have a wind to their back. Uh, this is so misleading. I understand what PR people do. You understand what PR people do. But I know John. He's a master at it. John. John's I know, but they can only go so far before they have zero credibility whatsoever. Well, Baghdad Bob did a pretty good job in, in Baghdad. And I think John is following that tradition because, yeah, to that point, there's no indications that anything like any favorable win is at the back of Zelensky to, to force uh, Russia to the, the table. I think you between you and me, I think the Russians and Ukraine, uh, Ukrainians need to go to the negotiating table, but I, they're not, the Russians are going to be forced to do it. There's no advantage that's been built by the Ukrainian military action over the past four months that would indicate or encourage Putin to do that based on uh, being leveraged to do it. If the Russians do it, they will do it because they want to, not because they're being forced to. And right now, we're, we're, you've got about two weeks of combat left before the rainy season hits and everything gets bogged down. So you've got until, I think, the first week of October, maybe the second week of October before things hit. And then after that, Judge, you're going to have uh, essentially a, a, a weather-caused pause in combat. That is to say that once the rain hits, it's going to be bogged down. You're going to have a pause that's forced on the battlefield probably from late October, from mid-October to December, January, till the hard freeze. Dude. During that time would be a perfect time for them to actually just sit down and be adults and enter a negotiation. Unfortunately, I think you're going to see John Kirby saying this has got to be dragged into to December and this, that, and the other. I don't think it's going to have any, uh, there's no There's no way that the Russians will be forced. If they do it, they'll do it because they decide there's advantage to be had of having a negotiated uh, discussion on this. Do you think a time will soon come will Putin, or when Putin will conclude to himself with the advice of his senior people, enough's enough, let's just get this over with in two or three weeks? So that's always, I think there's, they're going to have that option. So at this point, I see the Russians continuing to build combat power, effectively building it, building it at the, at the core level. As you point out, Judge, the, 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 um, the combat power by Ukraine is, for, is actually uh, focused at the squad level, at the squad level versus <laughs> core level combat well, Almost power. a joke, even for a lay person like me. Right. It's almost a joke. So the, the, you, affect, you have effective core level units being put together and being prepared for the offensive. Uh, Putin will have the option for an offensive. If he takes it, I think he's going to bifurcate. He's going to split uh, Ukraine. 
He's going to go to the Dnieper. I don't think he wants the whole thing. I think he's going to have enough to basically take the oil and gas resources and then uh, split the split the nation in half and let there be a rump uh, Ukraine that cannot be used by NATO or the EU for purposes of troubling the, the Russians. I think that's what he, he has the option to do. And that's what I think he may well do starting in January if there's no other negotiated option available to him at that point in time. I've got uh, Chris here is a little bit of a camera hog. He wants to, he wants to nibble on my fingers. That's good. Well, Bug, my cat is up somewhere else, but he'd be here too. Hamming it up. <laughs> Chris, be a good boy. Um, I want you to take a look at what happened in the Canadian uh, Parliament. And I want your comments. Sure. And then uh, we'll take a look at Justin Trudeau's uh, comments on it, which in my view made things worse. So this is President Zelensky. Uh, last week in the Canadian Parliament. I don't know if you've seen the clip. If you've oh, not, yeah. you see him in the very beginning, all the way over to the left. And then, of course, the camera pans, uh, pans to this former SS guy. I can't imagine this happened by accident, but nope. here's the clip. Chris. His speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Wow. On Yom Kippur, the the most sacred solemn day in the Jewish calendar, yep. the Canadian Parliament, one of the five eyes, you know what that means, yep. in terms of intelligence sharing, decides to do that. Yeah. I don't think this was random. I mean, this guy, this member, he was part of uh, the, let me make, I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to be called out on it later. Basically, he was a member of the 14th Waffen Grenadier Division of the S of the SS, the Waffen right. SS. Let me be very clear on what this is for those who don't necessarily study history. There were those like Lieutenant uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Stauffenberg who were honorable soldiers in the Bundes in, in the uh, in the uh, uh, German Army. Uh, the 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 the, hair, the, the, the I don't I'm not don't speak German, but he was in the German Army. There was respect right. between officers during the war regarding the regular military. The Waffen-SS was created out of the Nazi party, out of the those elements of the protection squad, the SA that protected Hitler and the senior Nazi leaders. The SA became the SS under Heinrich Himmler. These units were created for purposes of, of cleansing the captured territory of Jews and other undesirables. That unit, uh -huh. the 14th, uh, the 14th uh, Waffen Grenadiers were in the rear areas during combat doing those things the regular army officers refused to do, which was murder and liquidate, participate in what Hitler called the final solution to the Jewish question. So this why man, would the Canadian parliament choose to honor this guy? And that now the Poles want him back. The Poles have actually put in a, a request to have this guy return to Poland for crimes against humanity. That's why, would the, why would the Canadian Parliament, in what was obviously planned or staged, choose to honor this guy with international cameras and television watching? Well, I can tell you that I, my belief is they knew exactly what they were doing. I don't think they understood they understood the backlash that would come from this because, again, this is you don't make this level of mistake. And, and the, the 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 lady who runs Parliament there actually said that every, quote unquote everybody was vetted before this happened. Like no. uh, oh okay so they knew they knew exactly who he was he, the only thing that that made it worse is Justin Trudeau 
who blamed it on the Russians. Here he is. Right. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake uh, and has apologized. Uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine. You know, Donald Trump uh, said he thought that Justin Trudeau was a lunatic. There's an, ex there's an example of it. How can you blame that stunt with the 98-year-old ex-Nazi on the Russians? I've been watching Canadian media on this, and a lot of the Canadians say this is on brand for, for Trudeau. This is, this is typical. Uh, remember, he is out to basically undermine all social order and cause chaos. This was, I, I believe this was completely planned, and I think they planned to blame the Russians, as, as, as insane as that is. And look at how calm he was. I don't think he's, un, he's unplussed. He's just like, oh, I got to go out and say this. It, it is, it is it, I, you know, this is who they are, Judge. You know, this isn't left or right anymore. This is not about left. I, I do talks all this is not left or right. This is this is good and evil. That's evil. Agreed. Agreed. Um, thank you very much for your time, uh, Tony. Uh, folks are asking about uh, Chris and a lot of people have guessed. Is he Beagle? He's uh, Beagle and German Shepherd. But, great I love beagles. We have a big. We used to have a beagle. We have a beagle around somewhere. Yeah, he's uh, he's a wonderful, uh, wonderful dog, and is great around the house. But um, like somebody else around here, he likes to be in front of the camera. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Tony. Please come back again. So yes, it's uh, great to have you. All the best. Thank you, sir. All right, my friends. There you have it. Uh, one more for today. The great Professor John Mearsheimer. Five o'clock. Eastern on Judging Freedom.